This is Keyed In with Max and Brent, unlocking the minds of the industry's top real estate professionals. And now, here are your hosts, Max Rabin and Brent Jackson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. This is the Keyed In Podcast. I'm your host, Max Rabin. I'm also your host, Brent Jackson. So, Brent, we I think we have one listener. We just want to give a shout out to, to Joe Barlia from Compass. He reached out to us and He's a, he's a newer agent and he's been listening to our podcast and he had some nice things to say to us. So we just wanted to say, hey, thank you for listening. We really appreciate that. And like I, I emailed him back and said, you know, all the great things that we're hearing from all these agents that we've been interviewing, we're taking notes too. There's We're learning so much about the inner workings of all these fantastic realtors and their teams. The information is fantastic. I'm just happy everyone like comes on here and they want to open up and tell us all these things. That's kind of uh, amazing. One listener too, though. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> There's more than one listener. Because we, I mean, like, you're the same boat, right? Like you're walking down the street and you have agents. We'll, we'll see you and like, hey, great job on the podcast. When can I get on? Texting, calling, email in our office, outside. So we do have more than one listener. I oh, I know. I know. I, I, I was, it was a joke. I just, <laughs> you know, we're, we're humble. We're humble, yeah. right? So let's introduce our guests. We have Robert Crawford and Tyler Jeffrey from Washington Fine Properties. And Robert and Tyler are proof that being just really nice works really well in this business. These are like the two of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life, and they do incredible business. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. us. So we usually like to start off a little bit about you know where you guys are from, you know your origin story in real estate. So does one of you want to just tell us tell us about you? Tell us where you're from and everything. Take it away, Robert. Sure. I, I was born in New York, but I was raised here in D.C. And We're at New York. White Plains, New York. Okay. Yeah. But I, my parents moved down here when I was three, and I've been here ever since. It's been interesting watching the city change. I went to high school down on North Capitol Street, go Gonzaga. And you know, I used to run to the Metro in 1989 to not get mugged after school. And <laughs> now people spend you know a million dollars to live four blocks away. So... Yeah, Gonzaga is a big sports school, right? Because our little guy, he's eight playing tennis. And I've just started to look at like Gonzaga schools around a cathedral. Yeah. No offense to my graduating class from 1991. We were not the strongest in sports. <laughs> but yes, since then, and it's kind of a powerhouse. Evolved. It has evolved for sure. Yeah. Brent, Brent, you went right to sports and they already said they're not going to yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, yes, I was the crap. power forward in basketball. <laughs> <Yeah>. and. Uh, <laughs> But no, Gonzaga is a very well-known school in D.C. And, you know, I've had lots of friends go to Gonzaga. So that's like hyper-local right there. Yeah. Cool. It's interesting that we've had a lot of people on the show. And there seems to be a lot of people in D.C. that grew up in D.C. And they just stayed in D.C. And they became a real estate agent. Yeah. Like Max is a homegrown. And he's a real estate agent. Yeah. And Lauren, a lot of people we've interviewed yeah. have just stayed close to home and become a real estate agent. Very successful at that. I, and I had no intention of staying here in D.C. And I and I and it just happened. I, I went to school outside of the area. I came back for a job opportunity and then went to grad school here. I got into real estate as a third career. So I had no intention of becoming a real estate agent necessarily until my now husband and I had a couple of investment properties and I was like, I can do this myself. And I had an interest, like you have right. to have an interest yep. to start with, but I wasn't going to pay someone else to, to manage it and, you know, weave our way through. And so I ended up getting licensed and I thought, well, this wasn't that hard. What were was, your first two careers? My undergrad was in finance. So I worked for, for Circuit City and their corporate headquarters in the heyday, building stores around the country. I love that. I love that's a, such a throwback to Circuit City. Oh, <laughs> picture, way. I, I picture the ad where the plug With the plug coming down. down. Yeah, so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I I was there and then I came up here and I worked for Booz Allen. I was a consultant, okay. a financial consultant. My MBA is in marketing. So when I left Booz Allen, I actually worked for Reuters as a financial analyst because no one was hiring marketing folks back in 2000. And then 9-11 happened. I actually worked for Reuters on 9-11. It was kind of bananas kind wow. of working for that, a major news organization. Was there for a few years and then eventually made my way into online advertising and marketing with what I thought was going to be my AOL ticket, right? Like I had a bunch of local friends that had started out with AOL and made it big. And I started work for this online marketing and advertising company. It kind of blew up really fast until it didn't. And then it tanked. <laughs> 
I had just gotten licensed. So I'd gotten licensed in the evenings to manage our rental properties and my company imploded and they were like, here's your package. Good luck. Wow. <laughs> and I remember I, Mark, my husband and I weren't married at the time, but I turned to him and I was like, maybe I should try real estate. Like maybe this is a sign. Like I should see if I can, if I can swing it. And it was the end of 2008, like the worst yeah. possible the time, worst time to be getting into yeah. real estate. Although I, I tell people all the time, it was the best time to get in because that's right. We, that's yeah. what I, I you literally yeah, I agree didn't with you. know you worked so hard to get every deal to the table. You didn't like nothing fell onto your lap. Right. There was not an easy deal to be had. And we were, I, all I did was sell one bedroom condos like all day long. And <laughs> it just fell into place and you started working hard. And the people that didn't know how to work hard, like just got out. Yes. And so we had similar career paths. I was in finance. I got my BSBA. Then I got marketing. I got my MBA in marketing, and then I got in in 2006 in the height of the market. And you could throw a dart, a dart on the wall, and everybody's selling something. Yeah. But to your point, 2008 totally. comes, and it cleans out bad appraisers, lenders, agents, everybody, right? So the only only the strong survive, and here we are, you know, 14, 15 years later. Tyler, what about you? I was a drug dealer. No, I'm just <laughs> um, No, so I uh, grew up a military brat, so lived all over. Went to high school in Richmond and then graduated and went to South Carolina for college. After Game that. Facts. Yep. It's like the only sports yes. thing I'm going to give you right there. Um, <laughs> so they keep saying no sports. <laughs> Gamecocks. I just know the, I know the mascot. Gamecocks. Uh, of course. So left South Carolina, came up here for a job in advertising, which was my major and enjoyed it. Happened to specialize in real estate and corporate development. So actually, I got to know McWilliams Ballard, May Hood, all those companies from helping their sales and advertise their sales and marketing teams kind of on specific buildings. So like I specifically worked on 555 Mass, the Jameson out in Alexandria and Waterfront Tower and all these different ones that were really cool sales teams. And I love sitting in those meetings and I kind of got frustrated with advertising. It kind of felt like it had a glass ceiling and it didn't pay as well for as hard as you were working. And I was looking at these guys selling and I was like, I actually like what they're doing. And so didn't lose my job, but my, you know, boyfriend who would then become my husband kind of looked at me and said, you should do it. Like, just give it a go. And if it doesn't work out, you can just move in with me. And at six months of dating somebody, you're like, that seems like a hairy situation. But (laughs) but sure. Like, why not? Because, you know, you're 25 and don't know anything. And you're like, yeah, this is great. I'll do it. So I ended up joining the team that Robert was on as a buyer's agent. And I, truth be told, drove Robert crazy for like a year like he could longer, not stand me longer than and year. i was like the little brother he never wanted and i was always like <laughs> asking him questions and like you know how are you doing this what are you doing what are you working on and he was like just go away and, <laughs> but i persisted and eventually kind of worked my way in there as a trusted colleague and eventually a friend and but really getting into real estate was kind of funny because my mom had been in real estate my sister had been in real estate my uncle had been in real estate and it was also 2008 and I told them I was going to quit my job and get in. And everybody was like, what are you doing? Don't do that. <laughs> this is a terrible idea. And I was like, no, nah, I'll be fine. So I took out a credit card having never had any debt that had an $11,000 limit on it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, put everything on here, car payments, mortgage, groceries, et cetera. And I'm going to like totally apply myself. And if it gets to $11,000, I have to stop and get a different job. The balance got to 9200 and I had my first closing. And oh, then wow. within three months, paid it off. And then three months after that was actually like really saving and starting to do well. So it was kind of a huge leap of faith, but I loved it. Like, and I am a real estate nerd. Like I still to this day drive Robert crazy daily because I'll be like, let's do this and this and that. He's like, okay, one thing. Let's do one thing to slow down. But we have a lot of fun. We're, we always joke that we're kind of a little yin and yang. And our clients who we work with, we always have a really fun time because they get multiple points of view. And it's really our angle, I think, in the market. And they don't just get one perception. They kind of see the good and the bad. They kind of hear us banter sometimes, which is kind of funny. And then we always end up kind of like right where we should be, like the right number, the right strategy, the right house. And it's fun. But we are not we're not like bouncing around laughing all day long. We really are like partners who work together and, you know, sometimes have a great time. Other times like debate it out. But it's fun. We We do good. That's good. What? Uh, Rob and myself are in the same boat, right? Because we're yin and yang. And yeah. you go in and it's funny because we, we study the market. 
we have the same marketing ideas and whatnot, but as far as like pricing, we look at numbers differently and you get to play out in real time in front of a client. Sometimes we're $200,000 yeah. apart and the client's like, are you guys even on the same team? Like <laughs> yeah. you're looking at the same numbers, yeah. but we're yeah. like, this, this is good because you as a client, like uh, a buyer agent's going to look at numbers differently. The buyer's yeah. going to look at numbers differently. The appraiser is going to look at stuff differently. So you yeah. want different perspectives to your point Yeah. when you're you know listing this, whether it's a $500,000 apartment or it's a $5 million house up in Cleveland Park. So. Yeah. So Robert, did you have like a team originally that that Tyler came to work on, or was were you on a different team when you first got yeah, started? Yeah, no, started I out I was Mandy and David's first buyer's agent, so I worked oh, on the gotcha, Mandy okay. and David team um, at okay. Houndshell Real Estate. Houndshell, which that yeah. is like a blast from the past. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, if and, you know this, you've been selling real estate for fifteen years. Yes, like, way too and, way too long. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know we used to when I would call and make appointments, I'd be like, "Hi, it's Robert Crawford from Houndshell Real Estate," and they're like, "A what?" Oh, and I'm like, Houndshell. <laughs> like, do you spell that? And I'm like, H is in hound. A. I mean, it was just, right. it was, I'm, I'm a real estate agent. I'm coming to show your property. Yeah. Yeah. So I started there and then Tyler joined like a year, just about a year later. And I remember, I have to tell this story. So David and Mandy said, we're thinking about bringing in another buyer's agent. Would you mind talking to him and seeing if he would be a good fit? And I was like, sure, I'm happy to. <laughs> so in bounces Tyler and we have a we have a good we could have a very good yeah. discussion and he like leans in and he's like I just have to be completely honest with you though I have to make $50,000 <laughs> to make this work and I started laughing in his face yeah. because <laughs> I had been doing it for just about a year and I knew how much like and I and I've been lucky to be successful so I I literally was just laughing in his face and i was like i just want to make sure i'm hearing you clearly fifty thousand dollars <laughs> and he was like yes fifty thousand dollars i was like got it i will remember that i'll make sure that we are like working on your goal it, on your 50 grand you got it yeah and that's not just i mean it's it's it was an ambitious goal for I mean, for a 25 year old at the time and i am and tyler and i are 10 years apart in age so i am definitely like the older brother that he didn't know. I think Tyler, I think Tyler can fully appreciate how endearing and sweet that story sounds now too. <laughs> oh, it's just like, oh yeah. Okay, Tyler. But it's a good guy. I mean, I made fifty thousand last year, so it worked. Yeah. I did good. I yeah. mean, there it's still, go. it's still my annual salary. You finally, salary. Totally. You finally got there every year. Yeah. Yeah, we've been consistent. <laughs> so, well, it's hard. Like your first year, because you're learning the landscape, who the key yeah. players are, agents, lenders, building your vendor book, and yeah where to find a lockbox, where to put on the lockbox. I mean, it's struggling. I think I made 16,000 or something in my first year. It's like, it's, yeah. it's difficult. And I yeah. again, I moved from here to Washington, D.C., from West Virginia, not knowing anybody within like a 200-mile radius. Yeah. Right? But it, it helps, and it sounds like you both have supporting cast at home, which is, you know, very beneficial. I, that industry. was a huge help. And I, you know, one thing that we both tell people is the key to our success was starting on a team. Yeah. I mean, I applaud any agent that kind of starts off on his mm -hmm. or her own and really makes it because that is incredibly difficult. I mean, I don't think we would have gotten through the the market the way that we did when we first started without having the support of the team. And of course, having supporting you know, spouses in the back and really helps because it's not free, right? You can't, you can't just jump in and be like, money's going to start pouring in and I don't have any expenses. Like no one wants to pay for right. your crap to, yeah. you know, to, to put you on a pedestal and, you know, make you shine. So now, I mean, you guys, uh, you were with Mandy and David, you know, they've gone through some places. When did you guys decide, Hey, you want to go off? Cause you guys are with a really good firm right now. You have a great book of business. So yeah. kind of tell us that origin story. So I left the team first and went to, to Beasley, which you had Jim Bell on. Yes. And so I left the team first because just the team was starting to grow and the way that the business was developing, it just really felt like the right time to kind of step out. And I actually sat down with Jim and Trent and I'll never forget. It was the best advice I ever got. So any agents who are kind of on the fence about hiring an assistant, like listen up because Trent took a napkin, flipped it over at a restaurant and was like, how much do you think it costs to have an assistant? Wrote it out. He said, okay, how many deals does that cost you? And it ended up being like four deals. And he said, okay, so bring the assistant. I can guarantee you'll get four more deals a year living, working here. And think about that 30% of time you're going to open up to sell more houses. Like, let's do it. And it was kind of a leap of faith, but I did it, went over to Beasley and 
totally, you know, we kind of hit the ground running and it was a great time in the market. We were a great, you know, she was great support, but all the while pinging Robert on the sideline being like, you know, when are you going to leave? What are you going to do? What's going to happen? And really kind of like staying annoyingly persistent on him. And finally he <laughs> caved. And, and well, we had, yeah. again, I think the 10 year age difference also, like yeah. I had a toddler at the time and then we adopted a second baby. We have to stop. Sorry. Whose phone is that? Okay. Great news. It is the it's call the, we were waiting emergency. for. So yeah. it was our emergency. <laughs> so this is all working out great. Yeah. Nothing like showing up to your house at 9 a.m. to wipe water going through the ceiling. You're like, oh, oh my God. I'm like, oh, like, like, no, that's like a real emergency. It's oh, yeah. Real. No, it no it's legit. It's uh, legit. But it's going to be great. We've all been there. And I mean, these are the things that make you great at what you do when you can call the client and be like, troubleshoot. So your morning's not going to be great, but we're oh, going to yeah. fix it. Exactly. Like, and, and let them, like, and really let them know, like, we got this. Yeah. Like you're, you're a thousand miles away. We understand this is going to be super stressful, but like we will be your boots on the ground and we can make it happen. Yeah. And I, I mean, the, I've talked to the, you the, have no the, the, yeah. And I've talked to the seller yeah. a bunch of times, obviously this morning since walking into the house and she's just like, I don't literally know what I would do otherwise. And you're like, and that's why we do this job. Like there, exactly. there are moments. It is not about the fact that we are eventually going to get to the settlement table and sell this house. Although it's important. It is about the fact that she's never going to forget what we were able to do to kind of solve this problem. And we hope that that will, you never know how that yeah. will parlay to anything else. Yeah. No, that's what makes it rewarding. I think that's what you tell in your yeah. next listing appointment. It's like, yeah, these are the things that we do. You can get your Redfin or your fly-by-night agent, but if you have a situation like this, you know, you're not going right. to get the type of service that I can provide you. Yeah, yeah. and Redfin's not going to have a contractor there in 25 minutes, oh, no. and they're no. not going to have like their insurance adjuster friend on the phone being like, "What path do we go to make this happen exactly. the right way?" And like, it's and no offense to Redfin, but you're not. So. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Mm. And we just think outside. Sure. It's thinking outside the box, right? Because you sit there and you're like, all right, I can panic. I can look at the situation. I can watch the water pouring down through the ceiling into the basement and like floors are buckled everywhere. And you're like, or I can just step back and say like, all right, what do we have to do to solve this problem? The first thing is we've got to get the water off. Like, mm -hmm. how do we get the water off? And then what's the next step? And I think that luckily we were there together with our contractor so we could kind of do stuff on the fly to kind of mitigate some of the damage. I, I don't know. I think a lot of people, I was literally thinking in this house today, like, okay, I know agents that would walk in and just start crying. Like they would just start like <laughs> yeah, literally having a full blown panic attack and not knowing what to do. And you, you can have like 25 seconds of panic. And then you've got to be like, to I know what I'm doing. This is my job. I like, I can solve this problem. How am I going to do it? Right. Like that's yeah. the key. But Robert, you have experience with like, you said you have, do you, um, you still own investment properties? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, no. For just this reason, because you I, do not want these calls. Yeah. You know, you know what? The, the interesting part of having investment properties, and I know for a lot of people, like it's a, it's a really great passive income source. It was great until it wasn't great. And that's normally yeah. based on the the client or the the tenant and the the age of the property, right? So, our we ended up selling one investment property because we wanted to buy a house, so we wanted the the equity out of that. The second one we hold held on to for a while because the tenants were great and it was very little work and it was a good return until it wasn't. And you got mm. we just had unfortunate tenants that were in there that just absolutely didn't maintain the property at all because they just kind of felt they lived in a hotel and it became i mean even for me with kind of a black book of people that i could go and get to fix things or do what have you it it was all the time and yeah. they it just i i was like i'm done i'm out this is this is not worth it yeah i spent like earlier in my career i read rich dad poor dad this is when i was like you know still in my 20s this is before 2008 too. So I was just like, oh, it's so simple. I'll just buy investment properties and they'll make money <laughs> yeah. and I'll be rich. Like I literally just right. read the book and thought this. And then if you may recall, it was very easy to get loans back then. So I would literally just say, I'm going to go buy this condo and they the loan would be there like literally 100% financing <laughs> or 120% financing. Sure. And you're immediately underwater. You're not really making money. But I, I held on to some of these properties for actually quite a while, like over 10 years, just like, babysitting tenants and bullshit 
repairs and you know because i was just like determined i was like well these are my things i own these and i got the same vibe eventually i was like you know this is this whatever this route it's a routine and then the turnover of the units and i i sold almost all of them and uh, i don't know i i still like the the whole model of of the investment um property obviously i I still own a couple and those ones are doing just fine and i'm very careful about tenants and everything but i feel you man it's like it like i have a real i have a job here i have this is a real job (laughs) being a realtor is a is all day every day so that uh, that kind of stuff is also a real job and i give all those investors you know yeah. major credit yeah but max don't you think that like practical knowledge now is so invaluable like how much money have you oh, earned yeah. off of like being able to help people like forecast like hey if we're looking at a property like this is an investment there's some things to be aware of and like how that just kind of cascades out right like then it's like oh, yeah max is not only an exit advisor here but he saved me money he helped me this way i think you know as agents a lot of people think like my job is just to like open the door and get them in there and answer their questions but i think your clients are looking to you to have like real life practical things that can really be an advisor. And I think agents who approach it as an advisory role and kind of thinking like, I'm going to be with this person for 30, 40 years, however long I'm in the industry, that is one of the biggest keys to success. And it's so frustrating when you look at a young agent who they kind of have all the pieces, but like they're just so focused on the deal. And you're like, you got to start thinking bigger. You got to look a little bigger. Yes. I'm always I'm always amazed at some of the younger agents that there are some really sharp younger agents. When I say younger, I think like Maybe late twenties is still like pushing the envelope of, you know, I don't know. I, I for me personally, I'm not saying I wouldn't hire an agent who is in their twenties. I'm, I'm, I'd, maybe if I was in another jurisdiction or something looking for a property somewhere. But it's like you're right. The life experience, like the the BS that you have to literally go through in your life as an agent and as a, just an adult human being. I mean that that feeds a lot into real estate because real estate is very complicated. It oh, doesn't. Totally. It, I wish it wasn't, but it's very complicated. So when you talk about the age thing, you know, when I went out on my own, I was 28 and, you know, all the while hoping and planning for Robert to come along too. But the, it was a huge turnaround away of reception from certain price point clients when I had Robert in the room with me versus being in there by myself, because though you would never believe he's 10 years older, he would, (laughs) but no, but I mean, it was truly a real thing because then they would come in and Robert was like a great advocate for me all the time because clients would, you know, say, oh, you know, thanks, Robert. And he'd be like, that was Tyler's idea. Like, this is Tyler's strategy. And so younger agents, I mean, the ageism is a real thing and you really have to not let it get to you. You can't get too big chested about it. You just kind of got to buckle down and keep going because you're right. Like, Max, your first impression would be, I don't know, do I want to work with this like 26, 27 year old? But if they answer that one question right, or they have that one bit of follow-up right, or they have that one bit of due diligence that really kind of sticks with you, you'll give them a shot. And that's what people like that are younger that feel like they have all that it takes. Like you do, you got to work a little harder. You got to prove yourself a little bit more. And like, that's just the name of the game. Like, right. Were you smart? You were smart too. At 28, you brought, I think it was 28, you brought on your first admin, right? So to me, that triggers you're treating this like a business where a lot of people, they treat this as a hobby. And it doesn't matter what age, if you're 28 or if you're 58, you get your commission check and then you go away for yeah. a couple of weeks. But having a staff, you're forced to to work every single day, all day, every day to pay your, your payroll. Well, and I think if there's one piece of advice that I would give an agent who is starting out that is critically important is there's so many waves in this job of good times, bad times, and kind of oscillating in between. And every commission check, pull out those taxes, every commission check, like build your budget for the year and figure out like generally speaking, kind of what you're going to spend. Cause if you can really treat it like a business, like you will survive no matter what, it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if, you know, next month you have no sales because you'll be prepared. So like, you know, bringing on the admin, I made sure I had an entire year salary banked for her so that that way, no matter what happened to me, I wasn't stressing about paying an employee. And that lack of stress just allows you to be such a sharper agent for your clients because you're not worried. Like you're not focused on, oh my God, I have to get this deal. And I can't even tell you how quickly you can see a client spot desperation. I mean, my favorite thing at that age was I was able to be so confident because I really did run it like a business. And when you would see that agent coming in who you knew was going to be your competition, but also like doesn't run their business the same way, I was like, I got this because like they're not going to be as cool and collected because they need the commission. They need to make it happen. Yeah. No, that's very wise. For in our situation, we're very similar, right? So probably about five years ago, we switched instead of cashing in like all the commission checks or holding back 20%, 
Rob and I switched to where we're on a salary now. So we get yep. X amount of dollars mm-hmm. every single month on the first. And then whether it's quarterly or annually, if we have, you know, a bulk of money in the end, we can be like, all right, here's a bonus for having a great year. Yeah. But yeah at we, least we're we do that. Going salaried, it just it works so much better. Mm-hmm. But but that rainy day fund, I mean, when the pandemic first started, when we stopped working. I mean, our whole staff, we made a very conscientious decision that we were going to ride out the closings that we had going. But outside of that, we were going to kind of wait to make sure we understood what was happening in the world around us. But we let every one of our employees know, not that we have a whole staff, I mean, a big staff, but we let them know, like, you all are fine. You're going to get paid no matter what. And, And like, that was a great feeling as a business owner to be able to say, but also it created loyalty amongst the the folks that that work with us because they knew like they were gonna be able to pay their bills and you know we eventually got right back on the horse but it was i i I felt you feel badly for people in this industry who are your friends that just don't have that luxury and we've always said you've got to pay yourself first and that doesn't mean literally pay yourself you've (laughs) got to be like saving, investing, doing whatever you need to do, because we're not going to be selling. Re- I I am not going to be selling real estate when I'm 82 years old. Like you you're not going to see me yeah. coming in with my walker being like, look at the high ceilings. And, um, you know, and that is a nice feeling to be able to say, I will be able to retire someday. And that is know, awesome. Yeah. I'm going to die with a pen in the hand. Yeah. I'm Tyler's I mean, a I thousand percent could have a heart attack in a house and they're just going to take him out feet first. That's it. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So you guys came together after pulling and tugging for some time. Yep. Tell us how it's, you started over at Washington Fine Properties, the makeup of your team now, and like kind of what your secret sauce is and what you guys are doing. <laughs> you know, I don't know what the, the secret sauce is necessarily other than like, I, I appreciated the, the earlier comment that we are, that we're nice guys and we are, we try to be very transparent in an industry where everyone holds their cards very, very tightly. I think, you know, we ended up at Washington Fine Properties after being at Beasley for a year because we knew we wanted to take our business to the next level and we didn't quite see that happening where we were at that time. I think that just as real estate agents in general, like when you have this much experience just in terms of length of time, you can kind of hang your hat wherever you want, right? You can make any brokerage work the way that you need it to for your business. I think that for Tyler and I, though, we say this all the time, you know, we're wolves and Boy Scout outfits like on the outside. Everyone's like, look at those Boy Scouts like coming in the front door. But like we will cut someone if we need to <laughs> at, for our clients. And and we say no. all the time, like we will do anything for our clients as long as it's legal. Right. Like we will. There's nothing is beneath us. Tyler has seen me on my hands and knees, like scrubbing floors, planting flowers, whatever we need to do for our listings. But at the same time, for our buyers, like we work really hard and we're we're very defensive of their position when submitting an offer on their behalf. But we also believe in transparency. I don't think we would be as successful as we are if we had not worked with other agents the way that we do. I'm still amazed even today how people will just say if you if you ask even a generic question about a listing or a property they have under contract or a recent sale and they're like yeah I, I'll let you know about that in about 60 days or whatever I'm like right. why what what I mean <laughs> what what are you holding on to like th- you got yeah. the deal like this is happening you're live I'm just trying to help my client be successful in the future and and you know we we really kind of work by the golden rule like do unto others as you would like to be have done to you and we we hope that it comes back to us and it does yeah it does a lot but i think to your question about how did we end up at washington fine properties right like what led us out of beasley it was we had a growing book of business and we loved our colleagues at beasley and we just really kind of thought about like where do we want to be and i think going back again to kind of like the younger agent references like you get in a you get in a rhythm but and you think it's good you know this is going to last forever but like you got to be realistic about a business and running a business and saying like okay well where are we going to be in a few years? Like your clients are eventually going to stop having kids. They're going to start to have forever homes. They're going to start to do that. So you needed to be in the right venue to where you could provide not only access to the inventory they wanted, but also get 
collaboration and ideas and, and input from agents who had experienced it. And it really offered kind of that perfect mix for us and where we were at our career to say like, okay, we've got this solid book of condos, townhouses, downtown, and everybody is starting to sprinkle up and out of the city. So where can we go that'll best support that? Because yeah. we don't want to lose these clients. Because we tell our clients forever, like, once you're with us, you're with us forever. We're not going to just help you buy a house. We're going to help you own a home and and really kind yeah. of take it the full or way. Robert, or Robert will cut you. Or Robert or will cut, cut you. you. That's right. Yeah. And to all the agents out there looking to take our clients, we're going to do that. <laughs> so, just know I have a shank on right. me at all times. Um, but yeah, and, and Washington Fine Properties has been a... Um, a great tool for our business in learning so much about a different end of the market that we didn't participate much all those years ago when we joined. And, and now luckily we do. And I think, you know, for agents, you got to think about, you know, where can I really service my clientele best, not just where am I comfortable working? And, you know, that answer might not be where you are. And if you're really running a business, then yep. you got to make those decisions. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, Tell us about your team now. How many people are on your team? What's the what's the makeup and and how are you running things? So we've got six people on the team. Seven. We have seven. seven. Sorry. Tyler and I kind of as the chief poobahs. Um, and we have three buyers agents and two assistants. So we have one assistant who is in-house here in DC, and we have a virtual assistant who does all of our processing offsite, who used to work for the team and then her husband dragged her away for job purposes and we were like you're never out of our web and we were hesitant yeah Yeah. we we were hesitant Mm -hmm. at first to have someone working virtually but it's worked out knock on wood really great yeah i think covid's been a game changer for that 100 percent. you know good and bad right like sometimes you want your people to come in and they don't want to come in but you know in covid world even going into post pandemic here, we're going to see people being able to work remotely from wherever. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Again, into like kind of the secret sauce thing. You know, I think for teams, it's really an interesting landscape of huge teams, small teams, partnerships, like how there's so many different ways to organize it. But I would say, I think the way that we're doing it has had a lot of success because one, we value all of our team members. We tell them all the time, we're not your boss, we're your teammate. And that gives a lot of power to being able to think and and feel like they can ask questions and that there's not a hierarchy. And kind of creating that even playing field, it inspires people to to work a little harder and, and that they, you know, they deserve a seat at the table. And also you have to pay people fairly. And agents out there with teams and who are looking to have big teams, you are not going to take so much money from somebody that you're not gonna have to work anymore. Like you're still working, you're still a part of it. And like, you want them to feel like they're earning because when people are earning and they're able to enjoy their life and enjoy where they work, they wanna stay with you. And that is always our goal is to have like the most fair place to work where you always feel like no one's being taken advantage of and like your input is valued and so, it, it it's a really important thing for us. I mean, and I yeah. hope others would do the same for, for their teams. Are you guys capped out? I mean, are you guys comfortable where you are? It sounds Seven like. is probably the right number. We always said six, but we, we shimmied on that a little <laughs> yeah. bit. So yeah. I, for us, for us, it, it is. So how are you operating with your, with your buyer agents? I mean, you guys obviously have, you are the listing agents for the properties that you're listing on your team. How are you utilizing the buyer's agents in terms of like, I know you guys definitely work with your own buyer clients as well. Are these, are these buyer agents, are are you helping them get new leads or are they bringing in leads on their own to tell us a little bit about how you're coaching them along and bringing them along? It's all of the above. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that the the best way to help them be successful is, I mean, you've got to help their pipeline remain as full as possible. So some of the leads are from us, but we also work really diligently to make sure they understand like, well, how do you build your pipeline on your own? You're not always going to want to be taking our leads. As soon as people, you've established yourself in the industry, you've got to be working on how you're bringing in your own business. So we work pretty consistently in making sure that we're helping them have a hybrid of it all. But what we don't want to have happen is all of a sudden someone's like, I've got no one in my car. Like, I don't want to be here anymore because this isn't really working out for us. When so, the best piece of advice we ever got when it comes to hiring agents is you cannot teach ambition. You cannot like help somebody like develop drive. They have it or they don't. And so while you might meet somebody that you think is great and they've got a great sense of style and they, you know, have that knack for spotting good properties, if they don't have the the drive to get up every morning and be like, what am I going to do for my business today? Don't put them on your team. Yeah. That is, you're just going to be feeding a baby bird for the entirety that they're there. And you you remind them, like, 
this is our full-time job. So it needs to be your full-time job as well. Like we did not bring you on as a part-time player. We brought you on as a, as a full-time teammate. And so even if you don't have showings that day or you don't have a, a, a listing appointment or whatever it is, like your day starts at nine or 10, whatever in the morning. And like you have a day, like there are things that you can be doing every day to grow your business. And we're not standing right over them saying like, what did you do today? But it's just, you give them the structure in order to kind of create the business that they want. And you have to lead by example. Again, as like a good team lead, they need to see that you're working on your business, that you're out there, that you're staying busy. And and if you don't close every deal, what'd you learn from it? And I think, you know, I have to give a shout out to Pam Y. Pam Y doesn't know this, but she taught me one of my most valuable lessons in real estate ever, where I early on had interviewed and I didn't get the buyer. And I asked for the feedback, which again, you should always do. I, you know, emailed them and said, thank you so much for the opportunity. I understand you're going a different direction. That's great. You know, if I could just ask you to share what made you pick that agent over me, you know, I can only get better if I learn. And she mentioned that Pam spoke about resale and rentability. And there has never been a meeting that I've taken since then where I don't talk about resale and rentability and its importance and kind of considering a property. And so, you know, you always have to be receptive to what's learning and like those failures, like there's always something to learn there. there and you have to be able to pick that stuff up and not get angry about it, but just be like, great. Okay. I, that won't happen again. We're going to, we're going to learn from it. That's great advice. Not, I just wrote that down because this is what I'm talking about. Like we do, <laughs> we do this podcast and there's always like a couple of things that are guests say where I'm like, obviously right (laughs) reselling and rentability i love that so your book of business can you share with like i know for our group like 80 percent of our business comes from past clients referrals and flyers in some sort of fashion 20 percent from other uh, avenues but do you guys know where the bulk of your business is coming from and tell us like how that's working it's probably 90 percent from past clients okay very little from marketing or you know marketing or advertising that we're doing i mean and there will be the occasional you know through an open house pickup but which is my like, which is tyler's specialty i mean if i'm hosting an open i'm leaving with somebody like i mean it's, it's like when you're in your 20s and go to a bar like i'm like i'm not going home alone so somebody is coming with me and we're gonna buy a house so no but yeah it's almost all referral yeah. and i will say we were very fortunate from the jump and that both of our um, now husbands worked at law firms and they were young and so we got to get in front of a lot of kind of associates and people that were young partners and kind of on the rise and so that was a huge kind of influx of business so you know essentially if yeah. you went to like yale law school in 2006 i've worked with you like i mean it's like there are so many nice inroads there but that all just goes back to like everybody has a sphere. Everybody has a way yeah, to strong sphere. and build business. Yep. You just have to look and say like, who do I know and how? And you know, if it's not the clientele that you ultimately want, that's fine. We'll learn on it, get better there, and gain the experience so that you can go after like who you actually want to work with. Yeah, there's a lot of agents that they're, they're looking at this business or they might be newer to the business no matter what age they're coming into it. And they're like, now how am I going to go about finding people and doing this mm-hmm. and we all have our own connections and you, you yeah. it's the best place to start sometimes we don't have the strongest connections like financially but just intuitively i can tell that you guys do a lot of business from personal referral just because i don't know why what it is it's just like your demeanor and i don't see it like i don't i, I look at advertising and social media marketing constantly i don't see you guys like just nope. blasting away no yeah. so it, so yeah it's not and you're still doing point. incredible like you're you're you know upper echelon business in this city so i know it's like a tight group you know to agents i think the other thing is like stay humble you never know where your next deal is going to come from my first million dollar sale came from somebody who bought a two hundred ninety five thousand dollars studio her college roommate needed a house and dad said well it's got to be a good one and so (laughs) and like but that's where it came from so like you know don't scoff at anything especially if you're starting out like you got to take sure What are you guys doing to stay in front of the clients then? So you, obviously you, you do a phenomenal job getting them you know, to and from and through escrow, but after the closing, like what are you guys doing to stay fresh in mind, top of mind? As Max mentioned, you're, if you're not on social media or whatnot. I think this is where my background in advertising and Robert's background in marketing, and we fortunately have a team member who's also in PR, really comes into play because we have a firm belief in like, don't just reach out and touch people to touch them. You actually have to provide quality information and there has to be a reason to speak to them and and have some sort of interaction. So any kind of follow-up that we do after the fact, anything that we're doing with clients after closing, 
there's always a reason and it's not a refrigerator magnet i'll tell you that we, we don't do any of that <laughs> but a calendar yeah no there's no calendars which if you're doing that great I, hope yeah. it works. I was gonna say we do things like on their one year anniversary of closing they get a note from us like happy home anniversary and, and everything is very like tyler said it's specific so you're not touching the same person over and over again you are sitting down and you're looking at 15 or 20. So we delivered 15 pies, pies per agent at Thanksgiving and it was in person. So even if yeah. you only had like a two minute conversation, like I just wanted to, you know, wish you the best this holiday or what have you. It was phenomenal. It, you don't even, you That's can't right. even imagine like the reaction that you get from people who you haven't seen necessarily in years, but as Tyler says, like once you're in the car, you're in the car. Like we lock the doors and you don't get out. <laughs> so like we're driving around a giant semi truck full of clients that are never ever getting out. And and we there is that value add. Yeah. And and it is, you know, if if a client has a baby, like we always send a jelly cat. And and we don't always necessarily know when clients have babies. Yeah, you hear it from a friend. And right. and they'll be and they'll be like shocked. They'll be like, We can't even believe like you knew we were pregnant. And we're like, we know everything. Like we <laughs> you are always in the car. And and it's it's not in a creepy way. It's in a way like we we want you to know like when that baby gets a little bit bigger and you all are like, gosh, I really wish we had some outdoor space. Our numbers haven't changed. You know how to reach us. Well, and you know, this is, we're going to take a little more graduate level real estate. So for kind of more experienced agents, this is a, a something that we use as a tool that hopefully could be helpful, but we essentially created a, a more business structure to our team in a way of like people have set roles. And in part of that was identifying core values of the team, kind of your mission, kind of, you know, all of those things. And one of the things we did was we defined our market. What does somebody we work with kind of look like? And the rule generally is like you want them to meet like 80% of the criteria. And it's a really great way to be able to say no to business. But what happens when you do that is now everybody you work with kind of shares a common thread of a demeanor or an appreciation for authenticity or whatever your criteria is for your clients. So those outreach become so much easier because you know that broad strokes, everyone's going to appreciate this. So it's just a matter of like deciding who we're going to reach out to that time. And I think, you know, again, this is kind of later in your career when you can, when you can do that, when you can be a little more selective on who you work with and not in any fair housing way, just simply in like a, who can I service best? But, Mm -hmm. you know, that is something where I don't think a lot of agents really take the time to kind of identify like, who do I work best with and kind of focus your energy and effort there? Because if it's easier, if every time they call you're sighing, that's not the client you want. Like, just fire them or give them to somebody else. Like, get out of that. It shouldn't be like that. And I mean, I have driven Robert crazy with this because my entire mission is I want work to be fun and I never want to go to work. And he's like, you know, sometimes we have to work. I'm like, it's got to be fun. And like, it's fun when you like the people that you're working with. And I think that I, I'm going to stop you for one second. I, I, I think because Tyler, who was going to say nothing, is like, oh, let me. <laughs> I'm not going to speak uh, very much today. I, you know, our range last year went from $259,000 to almost $5 million. And mm-hmm. our, our mantra has always been every price point, every neighborhood. And it, it just, it, it, if you keep that in focus, you know, the, the business will come to you. you. You have to be an expert in real estate. We are not an expert in Cleveland Park or in Chevy Chase or in McLean. We are experts in real estate. And I think that when you know that going into it, there's always business. You, you never have to look for it. Yeah. That's very well said and great insight. It's also funny to talk about this with you guys because like to the listeners that don't know you guys, like your businesses are huge and amazing. Yeah. And you guys do incredible thank things. You, so it feels you. kind of funny to be like, yeah, this is what you should do. It's like I've, clearly when, you're doing when it. When Tyler's like, let me tell you about graduate real estate, Brent. And you're like, yeah, I've been there and I've got the He's degree, like, yeah, but thank no, you. Yeah, you know, We all learn from each other. It's like, uh, and we all work very similar, right? Like you just mentioned, like we're experts in real estate. I say the exact same thing. I'm like, yeah. anybody can open a house and show you the house, right? Totally. Like I'm not selling you because I'm not living here, but I am an expert in negotiation, right? I'm right. going to get the best deal for you, whether it's Chevy Chase, Cleveland Bar, Capitol Hill, all points in between. Like that's why you hire me is to get you the best deal possible, whether listing yeah. or buying. Yeah. Like for me, doing this podcast and listening to you guys and our other guests, I take it like, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm trying to host a show and interview you guys and be, and, and I'm interested in what you're saying. And even though, yes, we're doing the same business and I do have a lot of the same kind of experience and I'm doing the same things on a day-to-day basis, I'm literally not lying, like always fascinated to hear how other agents 
speak about it and come in here and open up about this in in, in this venue. It's yeah. just interesting to me. And it's it even though we could say like, oh yeah, this you know the way that deal went, and you'd be like, oh, I had another deal. It's not like that. It's it's more getting the information out there and talking about what it's really like to do this and sharing all of that. And that's, that's what this is all about. Yeah. So, so this is like a million years ago now, but you guys know Jane Fairweather, right? So Jane was at Coldwell Banker and Mandy and David moved the team to Coldwell Banker for a time before they were at Compass. And I would go to like anything that they hosted, right? Like a seminar and whatever. And she led a seminar on marketing and the room was packed. There's probably a hundred agents in there. And one of the agents asked a question like, Jane, aren't you nervous to share your secrets? And she was like, no, I could do this every day. hundred people, one of you might actually do what I'm telling you. And it was just so true. And, and we tell people what we do all the time. And they're like, mm-hmm. do you want to share that? And I'm like, I'll tell you what. It, and it's just amazing because the, the information's there for everybody to get. It's just, it's the execution. Yeah. It's the actually yeah. doing it. Yeah, the best compliment yeah. you can be paid is for someone to copy you. And we're right. the same. It's yeah. like, 100%. Take our flyer, take our book yeah. of business, yeah. take whatever you need. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And there's so much business out there for everybody. Like Absolutely. when people get really crazy about it, I'm like, calm down. Like there is someone for everyone. Yes. You'll be fine. Well, I really thank you guys for coming on. And it looks like we're running towards the end of our time. And so this is when we usually go to our rapid fire questions, just <laughs> oh, really straightforward okay. stuff. And Brent's going to hit you with those. All right. Rapid fire. So what is your guilty pleasure? True crime pro- podcasts. Okay. Cars. If anybody knows me, I've had a lot of cars. <laughs> Car. What are you driving well, now? A Range what do you drive? Range Rover. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I saw Tyler the other day with the Range Rover and it's like, there's different Range Rovers. Yeah. There's kind of the Range Rovers you walk up to. You're like, oh, that's like a Range Rover. You know, I've seen that. And they're the kind where you walk up. I walked up to your window to say hi to you. And like the interior, there was just something a little more special. <laughs> going on there. Like, did you buy every single option that Range Rover has? I don't know. I'm like a horse trader with cars, you guys. Like, I can't even tell you yeah. the number of cars where I've actually earned more from selling them than when I bought them. Like, this Range Rover he's driving was his third car last year. Just last <laughs> Damn. year. Damn. So, yep. It's, it's he goes in to pleasure. get a to get a new tire, and he's like, <laughs> "Well, I've got a new car. Here. I don't know how that just, happened. It's just easier. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's it's more awesome. fun than buying a tire. <laughs> yes. Favorite TV show. Oh, Shit's Creek. I'll, I'll, I'll totally like, you know, out myself. I love Real Housewives of Beverly oh, yeah. Hills. I, those ladies are crazy and they have so much money that you're just like, <laughs> my God, what is this lifestyle? I love it. That Curious crosses thing. over to guilty pleasure. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to out myself here. Uh, you too? Real Housewives well, of Beverly Hills? That. No way. Because like, I just started watching episode one. I saw it on Instagram and I read an article in New York Times, but it's, I don't know. It's like the real tape of Pamela and Tommy. Oh, like nice. the sex tape. Oh. So it's on Hulu. So your guilty pleasure is the sex tape? Good for nope. you. I like it. Be honest. Get out there. Uh, yeah, next question. <laughs> Favorite restaurant? Sweet Agave in MacArthur Boulevard. It is a hole-in-the-wall Mexican restaurant. If you've never been, you're welcome. This will ruin every other restaurant for you. It is so good. I don't know. I don't have a... No go-to restaurant? Yeah. Taking just... your clients or whining and dining? What about the kids? What's their favorite restaurant? Any place that serves steak. <laughs> Really? Oh, yeah. My kids are like, they haven't seen a cow that they didn't like. (laughs) Mine, unfortunately, is Millie's, and it's a real not point of pride (laughs) when your five-year-old is like, can we go to Millie's? And you're like, oh, man, you were spoiled. I'm failing. Uh, So, yeah. no, And I'm like, McDonald's? They're like, no, Millie's. And I'm like, darn it. uh, (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Super Bowl weekend is this weekend. This will be aired after. But sports again? We know Here you love goes. sports, but are you more excited <laughs> about the football or the halftime show? Are you going to totally turn it off and watch uh, Real Housewives? I'm excited. Don't even about- know he's performing. I know, right? Yeah. I know. Uh, I'm excited about the food. I love to cook. And the, growing up, Super Bowl was actually, I'm youngest of five, so it was always kind of a, a fun day. So I will make a ton of food for like friends and family to come over. And Robert's looking at me because he's like, why have I never been invited? And I'm like, you're no, welcome. I mean, <laughs> sports. <laughs> that, I, I will say that's like one thing about our partnership is that although we are friends and business partners, like we've never been like so deep into each other's pockets that like it's been unhealthy. I have yeah. always maintained a very healthy wall where Tyler's like, let's take that wall down. Let's yeah. go on vacation He's together. Like, no, I'm like, that no, sounds no, terrible. No, we should not, not do no. that. I'm like, All right. in, in terms of the Super Bowl, I will watch it. I I'll watch it. I I don't know who's performing. I guess you can throw in the commercials too, right? You have the game, the commercials, or halftime show. I hope the game is good. I actually, I my my family is a big football family. They they would be very into it. I enjoy watching it. I just 
I know who's playing in it. Right. This is true. Didn't the Buffalo Bills have like some big thing last so year? So my and husband you... is from Buffalo. We are big Buffalo Bills fans. And so we do watch them. And we had a big ga- a party last year when they were um, in the championship game. And when they lost, he, he was basically like, well, it was my fault because we had a party and we brought in all this food from <laughs> Buffalo. And so yeah, we can never. You're setting yourself up. Well, yeah, we're setting ourselves up for failure. But it was so hilarious because he came into the next office, the office the next day, like totally tired. He was like, oh, I was watching the game. Oh I God, was like, who, was the, like who are what you? <laughs> what, is, what is happening here? Early on here in 2022, do you guys have any predictions for the market for the rest of this calendar year? I think you just you have to step back and say, it's not going to be 2021. I think so many people went in and it's like, we're just going to ride this amazing wave. That's going to be incredible. And it is going to be such a different year because people are, are struggling from an inventory perspective. And it's just, you you have to be okay with that. You've got to go in and, and help assure your clients that it's not going to be the end of the world and remind them that, you know, a 3.5% interest rate is still historically low. Yes, it's not the 2.75 that you were quoted in October, but you're going to be okay. Like, it's yeah. going to be fine. And I think it's just keep your head down and keep working. Like, I mean, it, if you do the right stuff, if you work the right way, even if the market's not as robust as it was last year, you're going to find success. Your clients are still going to rely on you. And like, you know, there's like I just feel like it's you're kind of the you're the pilot you're the captain right so like if you start screaming and being like we're going to die like you know everyone's gonna freak out but if you just stay calm and keep working you'll be fine don't worry thank you guys I admire both your book of business we've done many deals together they've always been yeah. smooth and seamless I still get calls on the house up in Cleveland Park so do I so, <laughs> all the time a fun one. So, but thank you guys it's been uh, it's yeah. been an amazing ride thank you as a pleasure. token of our uh, appreciation. We do do a donation in your behalf to the charity of your choice. If you guys want to let us know what charity is most important to you guys. I think Tyler can let you know right now. Yeah, I would say it's called Together We Rise and it is for foster kids. It helps them get, it's a, a sad truth that most foster children move their things from house to house in trash bags and it gives them actual bags. It gives them things that they can be proud of and carry with them. And Robert and I both have two adoptive kids and it's incredibly sad to think that, you know, in any yeah. world they might've ended up in that system. And so for kids in that system, we want to do what we can to make it a little brighter. Great call. That's great. Yeah. Hey, mad, mad respect guys. And thanks for joining us. Thanks for Thank having you guys. us. We appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening to Keyed In with your hosts, Max and Brent, unlocking the minds of the industry's top real estate professionals. For more information on selling your home, find us online at keyedinpodcast.com. Remember to subscribe to Keyed In on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at keyedinpodcast, at Max, and at Brent E. Jackson. And follow Max on TikTok at Maxwell Rabin underscore properties. Oh, 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 oh.